and welcome back to the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brading and I'm here with Sophos experts Mark Stockley. Hello. And Paul Ducklin. Hello, folks. We also have producer Alice. Hello. Hi. I hope that you're going to make sure the show runs on time and generally keep everybody in line. Mark has a geography lesson at 1.30 for his children. <laughs> I can try and make Mark sort of say less words, but I don't know whether I'll succeed. Ooh, I can't believe you made that mistake in front of Anna. Ooh. Fewer, fewer words, Alice. Fewer, fewer words, Alice. Fewer, fewer words. <laughs> and also, Paul Ducklin probably needs to say fewer words. Oh, really? Well, he certainly does. As usual, we've picked the top three stories from the week to discuss on the podcast. So coming up on today's show, Duck's going to be talking about Chrome extensions doing sneaky things. Mark's going to be discussing why Signal says it might have to shut down operations in the US. And I'll be taking us back in time to see how Darth Vader got a man in a whole lot of trouble. Before all that, here's a quick roundup of a few other stories from the last week or so. Before you do those stories, <laughs> yeah, I've got some news. Ooh, oh, God. Okay. Oh, the geography so, lesson. I learned last night that my coronavirus beard which i've been growing since the lockdown started is now long enough that i can hold a pen in it oh wow and if i put a pen in my beard it just stays there can you do the same with a rabbit bone <laughs> is what hitchhiker's guide fans want to know i could probably do the same with a crowbar to be fair I really? thought you weren't supposed to i thought there was a i thought people with beards are more likely to pick up the coronavirus because it nestles in the beard. Only if they meet other people. Oh, that's a good point. As long as chickens don't... Um... Alice, how's your pillow fort? My pillow fort is very uncomfortable. I'm currently crouching under a table, which, as you all know, <laughs> I am a, I, I'm you a six-foot woman. You took this quite literally, did you? This pillow fort. Like, it's, 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 not a met, it's not a metaphor. I have to make an actual fort and wedge myself into it. Well, I was under more of a sort of flimsy fort, and it fell, fell through. So then I thought, okay, let's go under you a structure. fell through, you mean fell in. Like fell collapsed, in. sank into the swamp. Yeah, so now I'm <laughs> under a physical structure which is padded out with rogue pieces of carpet and blankets. It's phenomenal. Speaking of sinking into the swamp, <laughs> I, I built a pillow fort and it fell into the swamp, so I built another pillow fort and that fell into the swamp and then I built another pillow fort and, and that, that fell into the swamp. fell into the swamp. <laughs> no. So this week, this week, my microphone is resting on a folded mattress. I have an enormous piece of foam that I don't even know why we own, but we happen to own an enormous piece of foam propped up by a drum stool with a blanket over my head attached behind me with clothes pegs to a kitchen stool. Uh, and it's such a small pillow fort that I have essentially folded myself in half to get in here so there is no way we're going to get through this podcast without me going into some kind of agonizing cramp i can only imagine the heat that is coming off you <laughs> it is it is a bit of a sweat lodge in here yeah it's quite Ooh. warm already and we're only a minute in is there condensation building on all the surfaces? The blanket is starting to sag with, the, with, well, with all the moisture it's absorbing. How long before the mic breaks? Is it waterproof? <laughs> we'll soon find out. Just from right, water so we, should we do, should, should we move on to the podcast? Should we do, should we, I'll do a quick roundup of the stories, like always. Google's issued a critical security fix for its Chrome browser. We don't know much about it because Google, Google hasn't released the details. All it said is that CVE 2020-6457 is a use-after-free-in-speech recognizer. 
Google says that the new version will roll out over the coming days or weeks, but you can update it yourself earlier, which we would recommend. So go make sure you've got the update and are using the latest version. Did they say why they're being so laissez-faire about that rollout schedule? No. Normally, normally they're pretty hot on this stuff. That's, it seems like, oh, it's a critical bug. Yeah, well, yeah, soon. Yeah. You'll get, you'll, we'll fix it soon. I think the problem is that their sort of Project Zero thing is that you're allowed to go public and you should start talking about bugs once a fix is available. And then it's kind of up to everybody to decide when they want to get it. So I suppose it depends on maybe you have a, a build channel or a version of Chrome, which isn't yet at the version 81, and you'll only get it later on. So the problem is with a lot of these open source projects is that they're based projects. So there are a lot of version streams at the same time. Mm. It's quite hard to tell which one you're on, and suddenly you get up to the current one, and then you've got the updates. So I agree with Anna, mm. just go and go and check for updates now. And if you haven't got it already, that forces the update to happen. I'm deliberately Job not sorted. saying the version number because last time I did that on a podcast, it was for <laughs> Firefox and they immediately yes. updated with another version. And by the time we published it, it was out of date. So, Are you saying they listened to the podcast? No, well, they didn't get a chance to. They listened to the podcast and they don't like you. I think the deal with Chromium is that new version numbers <laughs> at the end, the very last of the four numbers, they come out all the time. And some of them are just general improvements and minor fixes. It's just that in this particular case, that was identified as, oops, this is critical, better do it now. In big news, sextortion's back. No, you're not listening to last week's episode or the week before. Uh, we've seen a new version of the scam, which Mark wrote about this week. The latest email we've seen from the scammers has the title, High Level of Risk, Your Account Has Been Hacked. And it tells you that it's evaded your antivirus by using the driver and updating the signatures every four hours. The rest is the usual format. It's got a compromising video of you doing naughty things and is going to release it. Please pay up to this Bitcoin address and we'll delete it. Yada, yada. It's a scam. Duck's favorite social... That uh, was a very good summary of sextortion slash <laughs> porn scamming, actually. I rather like that. Just yada was, yada at the end. I was, yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's interesting they've given up on the idea of providing fake proof. I know. Well, Maybe just, they don't why, need why the bother? fake proof. I guess as it, it's, it's obviously working well enough for them that they, they don't feel that they need even to like pony up a password or something. Maybe they do a post-sale survey to find out what made people pay up. And maybe the proof made no difference. Yeah. Who maybe knows? they did A-B testing. <laughs> maybe they, oh, don't talk to Mark about A-B testing. We'll be here a day. Duck's favourite social network, <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that, but I think we got away with it. My kids have got a geography lesson at 1.30, so we can't be here all day. Oh, Speaking of TikTok, I know you've got a geography lesson, but P. Declan, did you ever sign up and do the shimmying up and down the stairs? I... I'm keeping quiet about that. Yeah. <gasps> um, I would love that. Tuck blog, your username isn't on there. I'm disappointed. Well, you know, wait and see. You might Do you want get to a... hear news about Duck's favourite social network? Yes. So it's announced family pairing, which is its version of parental controls. As uh, many of TikTok's users are teens, as we know, and Duck, this is a welcome, <laughs> albeit rather slow move. Parents will be able to link their own dorky non-cool accounts with their kids and we'll also be able to limit screen time and what content can be seen they'll also be able to restrict who can send dms to the child's account tiktok has also completely disabled direct messages for under 16 which is probably a good idea so on to today's stories hang on did you call parents dorky <laughs> yeah no accounts go to dorky. your room <laughs> 
oh, I would be terrified if you were my dad. <laughs> if they have limited um, DMs for people who are under 16, can they not just change their age to say they're 18, 19? Possibly, yes, Alice. Are you, are you saying there's a way around parental control? <laughs> I don't think we've got many teenage listeners. I think we're safe. No, that wouldn't work, Alice, because they'd have to go and create a new fake account under an assumed name. Because I never put my normal um, date of birth in anyway. I just randomly scrolled across and... Do you know what I mean? I'm not. Do you even attention. know what your own day of birth is, Alice? <laughs> no, I don't. If anybody's got any idea, let me know. <laughs> Just enter, enter it into her bank. <laughs> What's your mother's maiden name? Um, Who knows? <laughs> Duck. Hello. Tell us what's been going on with these Chrome extensions, then. Right. Uh, so we're we're not talking about TikTok and and uh, stair climbing anymore. I'm safe, we're, am I? Well, we're not, but if you want to do a sort of version of that, that'd be great. We'll, no, we'll put it on Twitter. This is a bit more serious, uh, but not the end of the world. Uh, a chap called Harry Denley, who is director of security at uh, a, a company called MyCrypto, started looking at Chrome extensions. So that just one browser of many, obviously, uh, that had to do with helping you manage cryptocurrency wallets. Uh, we all know that there's a bit of a risk if you're keeping stuff in wallet files that get decrypted and used with your cryptocurrency secrets inside if they're on your laptop or your phone because if a crook gets hold of the decrypted data, then they could actually eat your cryptocurrency for breakfast. And in the research, 49 extensions, Chrome extensions came up that were doing very dodgy things indeed, such as watching for you, accessing your wallet, getting information out of there, and then posting it to what... uh, Harry Denley describes as command and control servers. In other words, this was the kind of extension that was not behaving in the way you would expect after you'd given it permission to access your web traffic. And I guess it's a he was just looking at cryptocurrency stuff, I presume because they're a cryptocurrency-oriented company. Um, but not too long ago, we wrote an article in which Google had taken 500 extensions out of the Chrome store for doing things that were way beyond what you would reasonably expect from the permissions they were granted. So it's just a real reminder that browser extensions can be extremely dangerous because they sit in your browser at a part at a place that is just after all the end-to-end encryption has been stripped off. So they kind of get access to all your inner secrets. Put simply, you have to trust them a lot. So how can you, how do you know which ones to trust? Who can you trust, Doug? That's the $64,000 question in this case, because uh, one of the things that in, in both these in both these articles that I'm talking about that we wrote on Naked Security, the 49 kicked out and the 500 kicked out, it seems that the people who create these rogue uh, extensions, just like with with apps for mobile phones that say get into Google Play, they also put a fair bit of effort into creating or buying fake reviews. Uh, 
So they get people who post, Ooh. oh, great story. This is fantastic. Mm. You know, I'll give this five stars. Fortunately, sometimes you can easily detect that. In, in, in one of the cases here, it was obviously a copy and paste job that the text of the various, hey, this is a fantastic app. They were so similar that it obviously wasn't 20 different people with mm-hmm. 20 positive opinions objectively expressed. It was just some kind of bot or somebody who'd been paid a very small amount of money to go and paste in the same stuff <laughs> over and over again. Can you leave a smaller review than a dot? <laughs> that is, well, that is <laughs> fulfilling the contract in the letter of the law, not the spirit, isn't it? And then, and then add, yeah, five stars, dot. Oh, sorry, I meant to <laughs> exclamation point. I'm so excited. <laughs> Just... <laughs> so the answer is sometimes these things do stand out like a sore thumb because they're just so jolly good compared to all the other apps or all the other browser extensions in the whole jolly world. And they're so good in the same repetitious way that you've got to be untrusting. On the other hand, if the crooks put a little bit more care into it, maybe a little bit more creative in the fake reviews they create, it just reminds you that given that you can't trust the you know the Chrome Web Store or Google Play explicitly all the time, bad stuff does get in there despite the apparent vetting that goes on. So you can't trust the reviews either because if you can upload a rogue app that steals cryptocurrency information, you can certainly manage to get five-star reviews you didn't deserve, I imagine. Mm. Probably a lot less expensive to do that than to make the whole bogus uh, app or the bogus browser extension in the first place. Could I take a wild stab in the dark and ask if these extensions were, if they were actually useful or if they were just kind of trivial uh, bits of software? Do we know? I I don't think we know exactly what they were supposed to do, but I guess... Because you can't sell it. Obviously, you can't say, oh, download this extension. It'll rob you of your, your Bitcoin. It must present as doing something useful. And I think and often yet, when, when we look at the apps and things like this and when we look at browser extensions, they're, they're often for really kind of not very useful, fairly trivial things. And you wonder yes, like, like pure well, who, code reading. Yeah. Who who needed you know, who needs all this stuff? I, I think the with the crooks it's quite often a sort of hit and hope thing where they they just churn out a bunch of extensions or a bunch of apps or something like that and they hope that one of them gets picked up and becomes popular. Yes, and I guess that's where the fake reviews come in, right? If you've, mm. if you've got some extensions that help you do online cryptocurrency transactions or read QR codes or get your horoscope or whatever it is that's the, the popular thing to have in your browser or on your phone at the moment, then I think there are a lot of people who are just in the habit of going, oh, well, here's a new one. Mm. Uh, let me try that out. It might be better than the one I've got. Mm. And then they either don't remember to remove the one they tried that wasn't better than the one they had, or they don't remember to go and remove the one that was no good that they had before that they've now replaced with one that clearly is better. And so they end up accumulating this cruft of browser extensions or apps yeah. that they kind of don't interact with because they're sort of hidden, right? If they don't visibly do mm. anything, who would remember, unless you're thinking about it all the time, that most of the extensions that I've stored in my browser, in theory, they can look at all my keystrokes, they can look at all my web traffic, 
and they can even modify it before I send it or after I've received it. So they can change what I'm uploading and they can modify what I'm seeing when I fetch it. And that's by design. That's the whole idea of a browser plugin, which is why I said it really comes down to trust. And just a few reviews or, oh, I'll try it out because everyone says it's cool. That is not a good reason to trust anything any more than it's a good reason mm. to trust a news site or a or, you know, oh, this app will own your phone, so you should delete it immediately, talking Angela style. Mm, more on that later. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, it's actually been coming back, I've noticed, in amongst all the... Has it? Yeah, there have been quite a few people commenting on our old Nate talking Angela articles, I think aided and abetted by all this extortion fears. and you know, For anyone they're... that doesn't know what talking Angela is or was, can you uh, just quickly go through that? Oh yes, it was. Mark, help me here. It was basically an app that featured a. It was an app that featured a talking cat that yep. you could do. It could do basic voice recognition. It was good, clean fun. No known vulnerabilities. No problems. And somebody suddenly decided that the app was a front for child abuse, and that the best way to protect your children from being groomed or stalked or perved out on online was to remove this app job done thanks for coming and there was this huge backlash against the creators of the app for people to go and do something that would not change their security posture one tiny little bit and it was absolutely huge a few years ago and now i guess with all the fears over new apps i put on my phone uh then suddenly or just desperately it's trying back. to find something to keep your children occupied <laughs> Or I think the I flip side of that, existence. I think desperately trying to find one simple thing that they think they can do that everyone says is a great idea. Just like we saw recently with, hey, remove the house party app and you won't get any more phishing emails because that, yeah. obviously there's a cause and effect. It's not going to help you one tiny little bit. You, 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 you're just looking in the wrong place. Mm. And it's an irony that, you know, that, the place that people might go thinking, well, I'll be much safer if I go to the Chrome Web Store or if I go somewhere like Google Play or even if I go to Apple's App Store, then those apps, those extensions, that stuff's all vetted. So that should be fine. So and Google, sadly, not always. Has Google taken down the extensions then? It has in this case. Last right. time it was 500, this time it's 49. But of course, these are only ones that somebody was motivated to go to look for yeah. in their particular field of interest, which was extensions that deal with cryptocurrency related stuff. So who knows what other similar data stealing or data snooping stuff is going on in, in other extensions that might use similar coding techniques elsewhere. So it is yeah. very much a, a a, a question of downloader beware, uh, even if you stick to the official places to get the apps and extensions from. Cool. Thank you, Dirk. Mark? Yes. <laughs> How are you doing in your pillow fort? I, I'm, I'm all, I've just folded my right leg in. So I'm now in a sort of semi-lotus position. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I have to sort of hoist the left wall of my Pillow fall up slightly so some daylight can come in. Just letting a bit of air. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so now I can see my script. There we okay. go. So signals. Okay, been... I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Do your intro. I... <laughs> well, talk to us about Whenever you're been... ready, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> you're sinking into the swamp, fellas. Mark, just do your own intro. I can't be bothered. Go on. <laughs> so do few, your own intro. A, a few weeks ago. <laughs> 
Luckily, in everybody, this could go on for some time. <laughs> Let's time his monologue. Is there anything about bum scanning in this? I'm, I'm sure we could work some in. He's gone, no. <laughs> so, Alice, if you could just, every minute or so, if you could just like give us a time check, just so I know you're still awake. That would be really useful. Mark, just so you know, at one thirty, you've got a uh, geography lesson with your kids. So I'm doing my own intro. So a few weeks ago, I talked about the Earnit Act, which you'll remember is the Eliminating Abusive and Rampant Neglect of Interactive Technologies Act. I do. Which is currently passing through the legislature in the USA. And we warned that it may just be a way for the US government to insist on weakened or backdoored encryption. Well, since then, uh, Signal's Joshua Lund has weighed in to say that Signal, which is the sort of popular end-to-end messaging app like Mm -hmm. WhatsApp with extra encryption security first by design kind of thing, will be eaten alive if the Earn It Act is passed. And I thought his comments were worth a, a, a section in our podcast, just so that our listeners know that it's it's not just us. This is what people out there who've got a, a dog in this fight think too. So just out of interest, does anyone here use Signal? I do. No. Yeah, I know you I do. I do not on the grounds that I it, it works up off your phone number as the know your customer thing. I kind of figure I've already got a phone, so I'll just stick to using the phone number for phoning. It does seem a strange way of having a super secure app that you... Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, that's what's weird. Use your phone, sorry, you use your phone to speak to people, Dirk. You use (laughs) your voice. And and for TikTok, obviously. I don't think I've done that for a long time. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? It it just seems weird that you've got this super new end-to-end encrypted app that's not-for-profit, that's keeping the man out of your life, but to sign up, you have to give them a mobile phone number that's, you know, part of the man's mobile network. It, that always seemed a little bit weird to me. I don't think Doug feels strongly about it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends on how much you are okay with giving over. Like, I, I don't mind them having my phone number, but I'd rather people didn't read my messages. Am I right, Alice? I don't have it because I've got so many messaging apps, so like WhatsApp and everything, and all social media networks. I can't be dealing with another one. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want people to read your messages either, Anna. <laughs> anyway, if you are a Signal user, you're not alone. According to Lund, Signal is recommended by the United States military, and it's used routinely by US senators and members of the European Union's Commission, which is kind of interesting. And unsurprisingly, mm. the number of users is on the up because lockdown and coronavirus. So over the last several weeks, apparently signal traffic has um, increased massively and they've got new users signing up because people are looking for ways to communicate while we're all uh, sheltering in place. So anyway, what we're talking about here is we're talking about uh, we're talking about Joshua Lund from Signal and his problem with the Earn It Act. So to understand his problem before we get into that, we just need to do a quick refresher on Earn It. Stay with me, Alice. The law, which hasn't yet passed, says that US companies' Section 230 protections will have to be earned, get it, by following certain guidelines. 
Section 230 is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, and it provides the legal protections that stop technology companies from being held accountable for the behavior of their users. So, for example, right now, Facebook isn't responsible for the drivel, lies, and offensive nonsense that people say on Facebook, and Signal <laughs> isn't responsible for the eye-watering filth that Anna sends people in her <gasps> messages. Mark, <laughs> shush, I told you not to tell anyone about that. <laughs> <laughs> the new law doesn't explicitly call for encryption backdoors, but the concern is that it's a stalking horse. So it gives the attorney general, amongst others, veto powers over the best practices that companies will have to follow. And the current attorney general is a vocal proponent of backdoored encryption. And who knows what the next attorney general might think or what they might mm. be in favour of. Supporters of the law say that Section 230 has done its job which was to bootstrap the technology industry so companies like Google and Facebook could exist. But now those companies exist and their technologies exist and everybody's using them. We can all see how easy it is um, for people to use them as safe spaces for creating and distributing images of child abuse, for example. And, and so now they say it's time to do something about that. We've got a duty to protect these kids. And Lund's warning is that this is going to drive technology innovation somewhere else and it won't solve the problem it's supposed to solve. So no. he reckons that uh, you know there's a few massive technology companies like Google, like Facebook, he doesn't name them, but we know who they are, that might be able to weather the storm and say, look, we've got so much money and our lawyers are so expensive and we've got so many of them that actually we can be held responsible for what people say and we will see you in court. But the smaller companies like Signal aren't going to be able to do that. So they either mm. comply with the law or they relocate. And of course, Signal isn't about to weaken its encryption. So they're saying, well, we would just have to go somewhere else. Yeah. And Mark, can Brett, I just check with you quickly that this, it sounds like this whole earn it thing is yeah. that in order to earn your protection from responsibility for what people say on your platform, yeah. you have to inspect very carefully what people say on your platform and make a judgment about it. It seems so sort of uh, self-contradictory, or have I missed something there? What you have to do is you will have to follow guidelines that are – I forget who sets the guidelines now, but the important thing is that guidelines can be vetoed by, from amongst other people, the Attorney General. So the law is, is this sort of vague framework – that says, well, we'll produce some guidelines and you'll have to follow them. And then what people like Lund are saying is, well, we imagine that when you write the guidelines, they will say things like, well, you're going to have to read everyone's messages to see if they contain bad things. Or so I suppose the way they might they might massage this is to say, we don't want, expect you to look at the messages all the time. You can just leave them be. But if we come to you with a warrant and say, we want you to tell you what the last 17 messages were, you have to be able to go and dig them out retrospectively. Yes. Which kind of sounds better, but in some ways it's actually worse. And, and all of which would involve circumventing encryption in a way that, that um, undermines Could everyone's... Could horribly wrong for everybody. Yeah. Mm. Right. But what I wanted to do, what I really wanted to do was share with you Lund's words that he wrote in a blog post a few days ago, because I thought he put it rather well. And I, I like the fact that it's not just him saying this, that there's somebody who is saying, look, we might have to move our company somewhere else. So this is how he put it. He said, it's as though the big bad wolf, after years of unsuccessfully trying to blow the brick house down, has insisted, no, 
it's as though the big bad wolf, after years of unsuccessfully trying to blow the brick house down, has instead introduced a legal framework that allows him to hold the three little pigs criminally responsible for being delicious and destroy the house anyway. When he's asked about this, I could mix metaphors. <laughs> when he's asked about this behaviour, the big bad wolf can credibly claim that nothing in the bill mentions huffing or puffing or the application of forceful breath to a brick-based domicile. But the end goal is still pretty clear to any outside observer. He goes on, bad people will always be motivated to go the extra mile and to do bad things. If easy to use software like Signal somehow becomes inaccessible, the security of millions of Americans, including elected officials and members of the armed forces, would be negatively affected. Meanwhile, criminals would just continue to use widely available but less convenient software to jump through hoops and keep having encrypted conversations. And yeah. I think with that last bit, he absolutely nails it. And this has always been my problem with these things is if you want to pass a law that t- gets criminals to use broken encryption, how do you get them to respect the law since <laughs> that is the thing that marks them out as being different from anyone else anyway? Well, it's, so anyway, it's- I it's like what Alice was saying about TikTok and the age, right? Kids will find a way around. You stick parental controls, kids will find a way around it. You, you like criminals aren't going to stop being criminals because of entering encryption. Precisely, yeah. precisely. So the people who are obeying the law suddenly have weakened encryption, and the people who don't obey the law or don't feel bound to obey the law can carry on because you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You can't uninvent strong encryption, no, uh, and you can't restrict access to it. Anyway, I mean, even sort of implicit within this as well as the fact that Signal are saying, you know, you won't drive us out of business. People aren't going to be unable to get Signal. We will just be somewhere else. We will be mm. in a different legal jurisdiction. Which is exactly what happened to the negatively to the US cryptography industry in the 1990s yes. with the regulation that said, oh, well, if you're in the US and you want to export your crypto, you have to make it deliberately weak basically collapsed the industry because people in the US could actually buy strong encryption from outside the US and continue to use it. Source code could still be exported and imported freely. So it was just a a sort of legal shenanigans that had a had a was a terrible victim of the, the law of unintended consequences. Thanks, Mark. Now I thought I'd dig into the archives today for a story about a man, Darth Vader, and some social shaming. Ooh. Ooh. But first of all, does everyone remember something called a shop? It's a place where you can take your children for a leisurely stroll without masks and gloves and keeping a safe two-metre distance from everyone. You didn't have to line up outside with a two-metre distance. You could just go in. Remember that golden time? Well, I, imagine... I don't remember going into shops. Oh, I love, I miss shops so I just, much. I would just oh sit God, outside and make it very clear that I didn't want to be anywhere near any shops. That doesn't sound like something you do, Mark. You mean you were sort of a bit <laughs> moody and angry. It doesn't sound like you. Um, at least we have online shops, eh, Alice? Yeah. But So imagine going to one of these shops, getting home and realising that someone had taken a photo of you in that shop shared it online and told everyone you were a paedophile. Oh, my God. Really? You weren't expecting that, Alice. I wasn't expecting that plot twist at all. Well, I know the story and I wasn't expecting that. I should write for Netflix. <laughs> I'm wasted here. 
<laughs> so anyway, that's oh, sorry. What well, I mean, I was concentrating, but could you say that again? <laughs> so someone went to a shop, they got home, and realised that someone had taken a photo of them in the shop, shared it online, and told everybody they were a paedophile. Okay, are we? Are you with me now? Okay, right. I'm up to so speed. So that's what happened to a man in Melbourne, in Australia. So a woman shopping in the same store as the man took a photo of him as he was leaving the store, saying he was a creep and had been reported to police and management. So what had he done? Well, he'd been taking photos of her children, she said. Instead of just telling the police, she, of course, shared it publicly on social media. Because what? why not? Um <laughs> <laughs> that's how you so, protect your kids isn't it just by exactly. voicing your innermost thoughts <laughs> so this is what under her post your real said. name in yeah. a public forum yeah, yeah. so under she it was quite a long post but this is the the first bit so it said okay people take a look at this creep today at knox which was a shopping center he approached my children when they were sitting at the frozen movie in the children's clothing section he said hey kids they looked up and he took a photo and then he said i'm sending this to a 16 year old so so the following day, the man got a phone call from his partner when he was in a business meeting. She'd been contacted by someone who'd recognised him from the photo, but by then it had been shared hundreds of times. In the end, the woman's post was shared over 20,000 times, which the man said left him flabbergasted that his photo was on Facebook, along with the allegation that he'd approached children and taken their photos. So what was he doing? I hear you say. What, what, what was he doing? Oh, yeah. Well, well Mark, there was what? mention of the Dark Lord at the beginning of all of, of, all of this. Oh, so yes. In all the commotion. <laughs> Star Wars is going to come Let me tell you what somewhere. happened. <laughs> Another plot twist coming. Plot twist. Well, so next to the Frozen section was a cardboard cutout of Darth Vader himself. And the man had decided to take a selfie with it and send to his children because they love science fiction and Comic Con and all that stuff, he said. So he said he noticed that there were children sat by, sat nearby and there was no parents around. So he said, I'll only be a second. I'm taking a selfie to send to my children. And it's woman... not quite what ended up getting reported, is it? Exactly. So then she so, heard. So from... Why did he say, hi, kids, I'm sending this to a 16-year-old? So he said, so what he says is, I'll, I'll only be a second. I'm sending, taking a selfie to send to my children. The woman said, the children said, I'm taking this picture to send to my 16-year-old. So presumably it's got misinterpreted. Maybe he said my 16-year-old. Um, she said that they said just a 16-year-old. So I, I can it's obviously... confirm that children are not always the best witnesses. Yeah, it sounds a bit like uh, whispers. but um... And phones have cameras on both sides, yeah, of course. So, so, so he's standing next to Darth Vader. Yes, taking doing a, selfie. a selfie. So he's holding his cam- he's holding his phone out in front of him. Pointing at himself. This, yes, it was. But sorry, the other, it's just, other face of the phone is pointing at some children. Exactly. This actually made me think of the time that Alice and I were staying. We were <laughs> going to. Oh, no. We were going to Infosec in uh, London and we were all staying in a hotel and <laughs> so forth. And <laughs> I had. I got fed up with waiting. I got fed up with waiting for her by the lift. So I took a picture. It was one of those those hotels that have the enormously long corridors. So I took a picture of the empty corridor to show her that I was bored with waiting for her. Unfortunately, I didn't realise the shutter sound was on and I was stood next to a man 
who just thought I was taking a selfie of myself by the lift. So embarrassing. You were doing it the other way around. You had the outbound camera turned exactly. on and he thought you were taking a picture of yourself and somehow that was weird. And there was no way to recover. I couldn't say to him, oh, no, I'm actually just taking a picture of my empty of the empty corridor. Yeah, actually, hang on, weird. hang on. Hang on. Yeah. I mean, as important as it is to talk about you, um, this man who was accused of outrageous. So this man who was accused of being a paedophile, and this was yeah. shared twenty thousand times. Yes, very so, distressed. He what? immediately drove to the local police station to identify himself and clear things up. Um, and how did he prove it? Did he have the selfie of him next to Darth Vader? Yeah, he did. So police interviewed him, and they inspected his phone, and he showed the picture of. Um, the Darth Vader, and in fact, it's on our article that which we can link to in the show notes. And did the woman have to pay any damages? Because twenty thousand people thinking you're a paedophile is pretty extreme. Not as far as I know. So she, so it's hard, right? Because she felt like she was protecting her children. It must have been pretty alarming to hear from her children that a strange man had taken photos of them. I know if my son mm-hmm. said that to me, I would be pretty Straight scary. On I would. Be- <laughs> <laughs> So she was, but of course she was right to report him, right, if she was concerned. But it's not okay to plaster his face on social media along with the accusation that he was a creep slash paedophile. And it's not the only time this has happened. This story actually reminded me of the woman whose house was vandalised by a group of idiots who confused her job as a paediatrician with her being a paedophile. Great. Then there was the man who posted about a woman who he'd overheard laughing about cheating on her husband in a coffee queue. He didn't take a photo, but he left a distinct description of her on social media, including where he was and her car registration number. And his post was shared thousands of times. It's pretty gross. Mm. Yes, vigilantism online rarely ends well because it's so easy to reach the wrong conclusion. Exactly. House party, QED. Exactly. It's like fake news, right? So in... And actually, in these coronavirus times, there's a lot of it about. Um, mm. I was looking at coronavirus um, uh, coronavirus hoaxes earlier, and uh, there's the one about uh, if you drink bleach, it could cure you of coronavirus. Seriously? Um, yeah. Less less scary is apparently hot water with lemon will also do that. Um, of course, we've all heard about did 5G cause the virus? Was it all a big plot by China? Did it come out from, um, was it released by a lab? Who knows? Um, but social networks have done a lot to clamp down on fake news in recent times. Um, and in fact, Facebook is now going to tell those who have liked, commented or shared a coronavirus fake news piece that the piece was a load of old rubbish. Um, and it's also going to then take them to a piece by the World Health Organization on debunked coronavirus myths, which is quite cool, I think. Um, it's a good way of sort of combating that. Intriguingly, I wonder if that will help take some of the pressure off this Earn It Act that Mark was just talking about by showing that maybe an element of self-policing by the big social networks is indeed possible. Maybe, I, I, yeah. think it, I think it will have the opposite effect because I was wondering the same thing. I think that it actually, it, whenever these companies involve themselves in the content that people are sharing, then their defence that they aren't responsible for it is yeah, weakened, I, I think. Yeah, right. Because it so shows that... Undermining Section 230 by saying we are actually yeah. interested in policing what people yeah. say. Yeah. And, and also, I think uh, it shows that public attitudes aren't quite as cut and dried. I think I said last time, everybody thinks that these platforms should be a bastion of free speech, apart from when it's the issue that they care about. 
when suddenly yes. it's fine for them to step in and say, no, yeah. that's fake news. No, you shouldn't spread that. You shouldn't say that. Uh, I think it's a very thorny area. And vice versa, people saying, mm. oh, well, you censored that, but but you're, you're not censoring all this other stuff. Mm. It's yeah. almost exactly. like they can never It's an win. impossible job, though, isn't it, for them, I think? It is. Although, again, as I've said before, at Crimea River, I mean, the, uh, this <laughs> that they created these platforms. So, you know, Facebook created the problem that Facebook now faces. Now, I, I, there's probably no way it could have anticipated the problems it was going to create. It's an entirely, there's all these emergent behaviors from this. It's an insanely complex system. Uh, but the fact is that they make money hand over fist, and this is a problem they've created. And so they do have to be the masters of the solution. Mm. Uh, and they can't be surprised that legislators are taking interest. But equally, sadly, we can't be surprised that legislators may be coming up with fairly blunt tools no. to, uh, to kind of push them in the direction of doing that. Yeah. Yes, because I presume when lockdown ends and we all go back to relatively normal life, people will be entitled to say, you know what, you guys did a very effective job of blocking, say, coronavirus phishing. How come you're not doing anything about the delivery scams that I keep getting? How mm. how come I keep getting porn scams and sextortion emails? How yeah. come all of this other stuff that is actually much more of a problem in volume and has been for years – how come you could fix one thing and not the other? And I guess their only excuse, which is a reasonable one in my opinion, is to say, well, they were extraordinary times. And so yeah. we did this as a special case. But the problem with special cases, if they work out, they do have a tendency to dig themselves in as the way forward, don't they? Mm. As any software engineer can attest, the, the <laughs> world is full of prototypes and special cases and <laughs> you know things that were never meant to go into production and... Yeah. Yes, like um, you will still find the text Chicago as a marker, as a sort of magic marker in configuration files on Windows to this day. And that was the code name of the original NT mm -hmm. project, which was never meant to be public. Really? So can, can we get back to my wow. story? Oh, come oh, on, then. So. Go on, then. <laughs> it is about Darth Vader, after all. Well, that's true. Um, uh, no, it's just that we can't go, we can't talk about sort of social sharing and uh, fake news without talking about the crazy hoaxes, which have gone wild lately for some reason, I presume because people are sort of have a bit more extra time on their hands, uh, which mainly seem to be about WhatsApp, fake malware and house party being some kind of login leeching app. Um, as ever, be careful what you share. Um, and make sure you you check out the source of the news um, and talk to your friends and family about the repercussions if they do it because it can cause a whole lot of damage. Amen. And that's well said. It. Thank you. That's it for today. Um, Mark, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, of course, at Internet of Hens. Paul Ducklin? At Duckblog on Twitter. Uh, at P Ducklin on Instagram. Had to think for a minute there. And... I'm not going to make any declarations about TikTok just yet. Can't wait. Al? Oh, you can find me as Ali Rouge on Twitter. I'm at Anna Brading on Twitter, and we are at Naked Security. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Duck's still doing his weekly Facebook Live, so go check them out. If you don't like Facebook, we also post them to YouTube, so you can watch them there. We're trying to cater for everyone, guys. Don't forget to visit our mothership, nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And until next time, stay, stay secure. secure.